Hey guys, welcome back to the Palette Plug Podcast with your hosts Kyle and Corey. This is episode nine. Uh, today we are speaking to Jason over at Durham Palettes up in Canada. Uh, we were looking to speak with him in regards to what it's like to be an owner. Uh, we also kind of we started talking to each other through YouTube uh, because I had seen posts that he were making and videos that he was making. Um, so I really just valued what he was doing using social media as a business owner and really wanted to give him the opportunity to come on and just share his thoughts about the industry and his whole background and everything. So, so Jason, how, uh, how exactly did you get started in, in the pallet industry? Uh, I started back in 2001. Uh, a friend of mine said that there was a pallet company opening up in Whippy and I live in Oshawa, which is a neighboring town. And uh, asked if I wanted to join. I I said okay, and uh, I was part of the original three of Durham Pallet. So that was my introduction to to the pallet industry. Prior to that, I had no knowledge of pallets, what they were used for, um, or anything. It was quite a surprise. One of my first questions when I came on uh, board was, um, "Is there layoffs? Like I, you know, is there?" Uh, is it seasonal? And as I quickly found out that everything everywhere gets shipped on a pallet. Mm-hmm. So it's always been a steady business. That's awesome. And so what were you doing prior to pallets? Uh, warehousing, uh, order picking. Um, I worked in a, in a wood shop for, for a few years, just, you know, just odds and end jobs, nothing, nothing too skilled. Yeah. So it was kind of like you were familiar with that sort of environment and could kind of see the value in it. So that's why you were interested in actually taking part in it. Uh, not, not really. I was working out in Toronto, which was about an hour away. Um, and from where Durham Palette was, from where I live, was only fifteen minute drive. So I thought, why not? So it was more of a convenience thing, not uh, not so much as the industry. Fair enough. <laughs> and you said that you were the, the third hire there, right? Correct. Got so it. there was uh, the person that got me the job here. His name was Rob. Um, there was him and me and, and another guy who uh, who started here and started off in an 18,000 square foot warehouse. Uh, we, we opened up uh, working with Chap. Um, and that's uh, and that's primarily what we've done up until the last four years. Um, oh, okay. so yeah, Chap supplied us with the work, Chap, uh, kept us busy. Really? And growing. So you guys didn't really do anything outside of working with Chep for, until you said four years ago, pretty much. Yeah. For 18 years, we were hundred percent, um, working with Chep sort repair. Um, uh, there are different batches up here. We have the Canadian and the U S palette hmm. and, uh, that's what we did, uh, for them sort repair. Uh, issue pallets to their customers and then in 2018 is when I wanted to get do something a little bit different so I got into the whitewood and uh, ever since then it's been uh, doing both uh, chap and the whitewood has been has been pretty good um, yeah so it's in probably about three or four years into the existence of Durham pallet the, the owner Stuart who's a pallet guru Stuart Richardson mm-hmm. um, asked me if I was interested in buying uh durham and i said sure why not and then uh from there i took it and grew it from at that time there was eight people now we have uh 
we have almost 60 wow. people over three wow. shows. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and so it was really like, had, had they been in the industry for years and, and were just kind of looking to retire or was it like they had some other ventures that they were trying to pursue and you just seemed like the right fit or how did that kind of come about? Yeah, well, Stuart had um, had a had a few. He was involved in a, in a few different businesses, and you know, Durham just wasn't top of his radar. And, uh, and he said that I showed ambition and uh, a kindness and a and a love for what I was doing. And so he was like, "If, if you want to, you know, you can take it off take it off my hands." <laughs> yeah, just which a I, casual, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There was a lot of in between uh, on that, but that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah. Wow. So I noticed you said there's there you do Canadian pallets and North and American pallets. What's the difference between a Canadian pallet and a pallet that we use here in the US? So the the Canadian pallet is a three stringer pallet, um, hardwood. Um the US pallet is the nine block. That's where you that's okay. majority of, of uh what you see everywhere. So the Canadian pallet is I believe twenty percent of the chap uh batches uh 80 okay. percent is the is the block nine blocks so so if because i do see every once in a while because i have a pallet company myself and so when i see the chap the the standard 4840 notched runner chap pallet that's a canadian pallet correct hmm. oh, okay and then the the nine block style is uh, the U.S. version, and I I believe the block pallet came from a partnership they had with P and G, where they came up okay. with a new pallet design. So traditionally, all pallets were the three stringer uh, pallet, and then uh, for loading purposes and everything else, Chep designed the nine block. And now nine blocks are you know what's common and what everybody likes because they're easier for loading, they're easily easy to unload. Um, and it's a full four-way pallet, so you can get a pump jack in on all four sides versus uh, the Canadian Stringer pallet, where you can only uh, use a forklift to pick it up from all four sides. Right. Interesting. So I, I never knew, because I really haven't come across, like, they're painted blue and everything, and they're they're just, like, 4840 Stringer pallets, and that's, yeah. like, most common Chet pallet in Canada. Uh, no, it only makes about 20%. Oh, the, nice. uh, the balance is, well, uh, 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, majority of the pallets up here were the Canadian style. Mm. And then slowly they phased that out or reduced the amount that they uh, that they put through the network and now focus majority on, on, the, on the nine block style pallet. Interesting. Wow. Mm. I didn't know that. So that, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> and yeah, so and you, also, I, yeah. I want to, uh, the orange Canadian pallets, do you know, are you familiar with those? Yeah, they're called a CPC pallet. Um, the CPC pallet is, um, give me a second. Sorry about this. So unprofessional. Okay. You're running a, a business, so, you know. Yeah, 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 true, true. Um, yeah the, the orange pallet is a CPC pallet, um, and CPC and Chef were um, uh, competitors. And then uh, okay. eight years ago, ten years ago, um, CPC started to fizzle out. They're, they're both on a rental-style program, mm -hmm. uh, but Chef had a better program. And eventually people switched over to CHAP and uh, there's no more CPC pallet. 
Interesting. But you still find them floating around, Corey, randomly? Oh, God, yeah. Dude, oh, yeah. And they, <laughs> dude, you want to work out? Like, I can pick up nine, like, Chet pallets and throw them all day long. Yeah. Those orange Canadian pallets, dude, it's it's a workout. Like, <laughs> oh, they are extremely heavy. Like, dude, I'm talking, they probably weigh a good 80 pounds. No, yeah, yeah, easier. oh, 70. Yeah, about 70. And it, that's because they're all made out of hardwood. Um <laughs> So it's, you know, uh, maple, birch, um, all components of, of a Canadian stringer palette. Hmm. Oh. That's really interesting. So, so I'm curious, like, where are you the one that like films your, your YouTube content or do you have a guy on site that just was like, Hey, we should start posting on social media and stuff. Or like, how did, how did that stuff come about? Well, in, um, I, yeah, probably about four or five years ago. Um, one of the biggest problems that we have, um, and probably the same as you guys is, is hiring. So when, when, and especially now there's a big labor shortage. So if we get, you know, uh, we, we post an ad, Hey, we're looking for pallet repairmen, uh, prior to any of those videos, it was always a verbal, here's, you know, a job site description, here's this, here's that, um, but then I realized that there has to be a better way to, to hire. Um, and now started the YouTube channel and now we start doing videos. This is how to do repair. This is what we expect. And, um, and now it's more of a visual for people that, uh, that want to apply before you apply. Here's a video link. Um, this is exactly what you'll be doing. And it's amazing <laughs> the, the amount of, uh, people that, um, you know, might not take the opportunity to work at Durham because they seen the video. So mm -hmm. it really helps out, uh, filter out people that may think that they can do the job and actual people who can do the job. Uh, back to your question, everything is done in house. Um, it was, you know, there was a, a staff member here, Ryan, who has a nice camera and, uh, yeah, we do all the, I do all the scripting for it. I'm, I'm there for the filming, do some of the camera work and, Ryan does some of the camera work and does the editing and uh, makes it all uh, uh, pretty for the online community. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you guys are doing a great job. Like your shorts are, are great. I think that they're informative and they're just like, they're, they keep you attentive, you know, like it's, it's stuff that you would want to watch, whether it's like the repairs or the sorting. And like, I love how you guys put music to it as well. So like, it does keep people engaged. I've actually shared a couple of your videos, like within our Facebook group as well, just because I was like, this, thank you. Yeah. Well, because I think that it's like, it's good content. And I've always tried to preach to people like make videos, put content out there. And I think that your point is something that personally, I've never really thought that much about, but like, it helps with your hiring process. Because like you're saying, you're showing people like, this is what your job is going to be. This is what it's, the environment is like, like, this is what you're going to be doing. And I think that it, it's like, you don't, not many people have that perspective. You know, it's like, if you're giving somebody that information ahead of time, you're saving yourself a whole lot of time, you're saving them a whole lot of time. So it's definitely helpful in regards to hiring, like you're saying, and also just uh, for getting your name out there and for showing people like this is how you should use social media as a, as a business. I think it's super helpful. Yeah. And it's been, uh, I, I remember when we got our, you know, first 10 subscribers, I was shocked that 10 people actually wanted to see <laughs> videos on how to repair and, and, and now we have over 900. So, 
it's the the content though it's it's getting tougher and tougher to think of more yeah. content for it because there's only so many repair videos there's only only so many sort videos you can do there's only so much you can do and that's why the last video was a forklift inspection that I was saw. just to keep the the, the, the channel active, I, I don't really expect too many people to, you know, take a keen interest on how to, you know, do a forklift check, but I just, you know, stalling uh, until I can come up with more ideas. <laughs> well, well I, so the yeah, thing is, though, is for forklift in our industry is a must. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've seen guys do with, do without a forklift, and there's times that I do without a forklift, and I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> It does. Uh, you go go unload a trailer. Like I've got 260 pallets on my trailer right now, and you know, and I'm like, man, I don't want to unload that by hand. <laughs> you know, and so many people, you know, those a lot of these guys that come into this and they get thrown on a forklift, they don't think about the checking the oil, blowing out the air filters, uh, you know, blowing out the the engine bay on these things because it gets hot. You get sawdust in there. That's a fire waiting to happen. Mm. Oh yeah, so, and we've had uh, mechanical breakdowns with our forklifts because they haven't been properly maintained or mm-hmm. uh, properly cared for, and um, you know it's all part of the it's all part of the job, though. Yeah, yeah, and I think that just the more information that you put out there that's just relevant to your business, it just kind of like helps um, people identify you as like a, a a good information source, and like you are reputable business because you know what you're talking about and you're openly sharing it with people too. So, cause I feel like sometimes with this industry, like a lot of people hold information under lock and key, you know, to, so to see they that, <laughs> yeah. So to see that, that openness and that willingness to share and also like to put yourself in front of a camera and, and to talk about your business proudly, I think is something that, that I've always tried to preach and like, this is the whole purpose of this entire podcast you know is to is to encourage business owners to be proud and to like come on and talk about their journey and and why they're doing what they're doing because there's a lot of cool people who are involved in this industry with a lot of different backgrounds so um i I just i really appreciated it and it's cool that that's how we were able to connect as well you know just through commenting on your video that you were interested in speaking to me so yeah and and when it comes to other online uh stuff the the google reviews and uh you know job placement ad reviews and stuff like that all all of those are are key for customers and for employees um you know if somebody goes home and says oh, i got a job working at a pallet factory you know it, it's not a it's not a pretty industry and it's got uh a, you know overall not uh not the best reputation right. but here during pallet we you know uh have over 100 google reviews good ratings, YouTube channel. So somebody can go home and say, Hey, this is, this is the company that I work for now. Look at it. And, you know, you get the support of, uh, of somebody's family behind them, then, you know, that creates for, you know, a good work atmosphere. Yeah. I think that's a good point is, uh, encouraging your employees to actually like take pride in their workplace and what they're doing. And I think that you're right. Like this, this definitely does not have the best uh, outlook on it. And, and um, you know, the individuals who might participate are not always looked at in the best light. So I think that it's, it's great that like you're doing that work and you're, you're like, I was reading through your website as far as how you try and give back to your employees, whether it's like lunch days where you pay for lunch for everybody, or um, I believe there were some other things like certain 
vacation time yeah, or on, something like that. On, on somebody's birthday, we do a birthday wheel spin. Every spot's a winner. Um, on their two-year work anniversary, we'll give them a safety gift card. And that uh, that was all an initiative I did uh, years ago. Um, that's because that's what the generation in this work in this uh, day and age, that's what they want. Like mm -hmm. the different generations, like going back to the Generation X and, you know, the millennials and uh, up and coming the uh, Generation Z, they all want something new from the employer. And right now it's it's attention to to themselves individually. They don't want to feel as as a, as a number, or, you know, just somebody in and out. They want to feel appreciated for the stuff that they do. So giving out, uh, you know, a birthday wheel. 10 years ago, I would never have even considered it, but now, <laughs> you know, it, it's just what's, it's just what's needed. Businesses have to conform to, uh, to the generation that makes up their workforce and whatever they want, you just need to, uh, okay. And just, and just do it. So it, the management part of it's been harder to deal with than it, than it has been to grow a business because it's the staff that does the growing. And over the years, we haven't had the, the best track record for uh, staff retention. But since I started doing more focus on ergonomics, which is extremely important, staff focus, everything else, um, it's, been, uh, it's been a night and day difference. That's incredible. So you have, over the past couple of years, you're saying you really kind of took a turn in the way that you were approaching dealing with your employees and like encouraging yeah. them. And so like, what are some of the things that if you were talking to another business owner and they were like, I can't, I can't keep, keep people on like what, what were some questions that you might ask them to see what they're doing? Yeah. Um, one, one is, uh, ergonomics. Like nobody wants to come into, into, a, uh, into a workplace and, and find it to be too stressful, too straining, too, um, you know, you know, too much on their body. People want to go home at the end of the day, feeling like they did a, a good, uh, put in a good work day, but they don't want to go home exhausted. They want to go home and, and, you know, play with their family or, you know, do grocery shopping and stuff like that. So, you know, a few years ago, uh, prior to doing some automation with pallet stackers, there's a video on YouTube on, on, uh, on the pallet stackers, mm -hmm. uh, people were just exhausted. And I think that's why the turnover was so hot. So when I started to, Okay, how can I make this job a little bit easier? Uh, nail guns on tool balancers and, you know, pallet stackers so they don't have to lift the pallet. They just slide it forward and it automatically stacks. Uh, at the end of the day, productivity is up and they go home uh, feeling feeling good. And because they're on a piece rate system, the more I can add to them to make them more productive, the more money that they make. So if, if uh, another company is, is struggling, um, it would be... You know, uh, you know, they, they'd have to really look at their their staff and, and how the staff feel uh, being there. Maybe they want more. Maybe they, you know, doing a birthday wheel um, spin on their birthday. They get a free Tim Hortons card or, you know, a pair of gloves or something for that day. They feel special. We post it up on our warehouse door. Happy birthday. You know, Ben. Um, stuff like that. And people all throughout the day, oh, hey, Ben, you know, uh, happy birthday. Just makes them feel good. It's that, it's that little attention that when they go home, they feel valued. They don't feel exhausted. And, and they want to come back to work the next day. Overmanaging just doesn't work anymore. You just have to, whatever, um, um, whatever the atmosphere is, you just have to bend towards them.
Yeah, I, I think that's a great point is that like your people are what makes up your production. And if they don't feel appreciated and they don't feel like they're they're getting back what they're putting in, then they're not going to want to keep showing up to work. And with something that's so physically exhausting, like it's it's really helpful to hear that you are trying to implement things to continue to like make these people feel like they're in a positive environment and they're worthy or the, not worth. Yeah. Like worthy and, and wanted wanted is really like the main thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. True. Like at, at any time uh, right now you can, um, I, I could go back into the warehouse right now and yell at somebody and immediately they can go on their phone and, you know, start applying to job like the online uh, availability to, to job hunt and stuff like that is, you know, has really ramped up over the years. Yeah. So the, I, I believe it's, you know, uh, for warehousing, it's staff, they don't generally last more than two years before moving on to another job. And that's because, you know, especially in the labor shortage, everybody has the opportunity to go work anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. So the more, the longer you can get somebody to stay around, it's better. You, you don't have the training costs. They feel more valued and you're doing something good. What's, uh, do you have like a, um, like the employee that's been there the longest, like how, how besides yourself, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we, we've had, we, we have, um, probably about, uh, 20% of our staff has been here for more than 10 years. Wow. wow. And then, uh, during the COVID, um, shutdowns and stuff like that. I went from 60 people down to 40. So I lost a lot of good valued staff. If, mm -hmm. if that never happened, then I'd say majority of the staff would be here for more than five years. And, uh, like I said, over the last few years, putting more money into better ergonomics and staff, uh, focus has really helped, uh, in, in every, in absolutely every single way to keep these, uh, the staff members happy and going. Yeah. I've so, seen, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I expect the retention to be much higher uh, over the next few, few more years because of that. Yeah. I was going to say like, I've, I've watched the, uh, the videos of like the sorting and, and them using the lifting machines and um, I could see how helpful that could be. I was even like showing my, my friend last night and I was like, see, like, this is, this is quality palette content right here. And he was like, see, like I could, find myself watching that, you know, there's not a lot of videos out there of people who are like just doing the manufacturing process and the sorting process. But so, um, when it comes to the machinery, like, are you, is it focused on like cost saving or are you focused on like, what's going to be the best for my guys and what's going to make it so they can continue to stick around? Cause are you with your, your perspective on automation or do you well, want to Go ahead. I, I, I've always been against automation. I, I, I've never liked machinery. I'm not familiar with machinery and machinery is not, uh, um, you know, is, is expensive and, you know, it, you know, do you really get the value? You don't know. Like a lot of these equipments for the pallet industry, you can't just go and Home Depot and buy it. Everything has to be custom made uh, to fit your application. So I, I was very reluctant to get anything. And then another pallet company um, that I know, he was getting rid of, uh, um, some stackers and, uh, I got a good deal on it to the point where I was like, ah, oh, what do I have to lose? And then I put a couple in and then I was like, I, I need more. <laughs> and, you know, one of our guys, you know, uh, first within the first week, uh, two of the guys at, at one station, their production went up 20%. Oh, wow. And, you know, and they, they go home feeling good. 
So that's when I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to do this. So that's where I got into that more machinery and looking at more too, because it's, uh, there's the, the, there, there's just so much out there that's available. Are you focused on, again, like what makes their lives easier or are you focused on just like, what is it cost savings? What's like, what's your mentality when you're looking at machinery? Like what things are you thinking of purchasing? Staff, staff focus. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you get better production and you're able to produce more and you're able to ship out more. So it all starts off with the, with the staff. Um, You know, if I, I was hoping at a minimum that my production would be even if I put in these new, uh, you know, stackers and stuff like that, I would have been very happy if the production was, was even money. Uh, you know, someone who does 400 repairs, they continue on to do 400 repairs. I'd be okay with that. I I'd go ahead with the investment. If it was for some reason, less productive for them, then they get paid less because they're on a piece rate system. I don't produce as much, so I can't issue as many out. So it just wouldn't be, wouldn't be there. It was, it was quite a bonus to see the, dramatic increases in production after a few days of, of them being involved uh, uh, with with a stacker. Yeah, I, I would imagine too, because like, do you, is that really the only automation that you have? Or do you have like, um, like manufacturing automation as well? Well, I had a pallet sort machine, uh, five category industrial resource machine. Are you guys familiar with industrial resources? Mm-mm. No, they're, they're a huge pallet uh, uh, machinery company in Michigan. Okay. And um, I had one of their pallet sort machines uh, that I got used, um, had it for a few years. Um, and it just wasn't, uh, it was big. It was, you know, it was, it was breaking down and there was a lot of time and attention to it. And then, you know, I noticed year after year, my sorts were getting lower and lower. So it was just like, it's not worth it for me to have. Uh, and then I sold it um, during COVID. <laughs> so I, the guy got a great deal on it. Yeah. Uh, but now I, because I've had, you know, so much more experience with the stackers and so as the staff, I would consider getting another uh, pallet store machine. Okay. Gotcha. So something that you had stopped kind of working as efficiently as you wanted it to, but now considering reintroducing it. Yeah. And, and if you guys look at uh, pallet machinery um, repair uh, equipment. There's robotic arms out there now. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's one with a touch screen where you just touch, uh, you know, what the defect is and it, it'll, it, it'll cut the board right off. Like, oh, I think wow. that is the future and the future is uh, more and more automation, but right now everything's just too expensive. Uh, it's got to come down in price for, um, for it to be, to be really considered. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of pallet equipment out there that's that that's hugely beneficial uh to businesses uh and for the staff yeah i don't i don't see too many people spending a hundred thousand dollars for a robotic dismantler that's know, right that's right yeah yeah and, but once they once the speed and everything gets up then i think you'll see more and more um people leaning towards it because staffing is um is a big problem within the pallet industry and more machinery you, you're able to bring in from a larger pool of people. And then, uh, you know, from there, eventually the machine will have some sort of payback. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and it kind of does take away from like, cause there's people on all levels of, of this industry, right? Like there's guys who just go pick up pallets and sell them to the pallet yard. And then there's yeah. guys like, 
like Corey, who's like a larger operation from there, still has his own facility and things like that, but pretty much solo, you know, and then like there's, again, further levels and levels from there. But yeah, I think the the affordability of those machinery is definitely a big factor as to like why people can't actually participate in that and don't end up purchasing those things because they just don't have the money for it and don't see the like long term return on it, I guess. That's right. That's right. And, and right now, everything that's out there available is just, it's slow. Um, just need a few more years for the production to get much higher. And then I think that you'll start to see them more and more common in, in places. Well, it's like you said, too, like a lot of them are custom built to accommodate spaces, right? So it's like, you're kind of coming in there, and they have to specifically build something based off of the specs that you give them, like they can't just it's it's not a one size fits all type situation. That's right. That's right. So it's uh it, it's a good it's the the possibilities in the future is you know every year there seems to be something more and more added bandsaws that can do more and everything else. So just a few more years, and I think you'll see a lot of places into investing in the machinery. Yeah. No, I think it's a good idea. I think the the AI aspect of it is is scary too. You know, like there's I've t I've talked to a couple people. Have you kind of dabbled with any like AI or anything like that, like ChatGPT or stuff like that? No, but uh, do do you uh, subscribe to Palette Enterprise? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. But I I talked hey. to Rick uh, and he was suggesting that, so I probably yeah too. <laughs> yeah, there was an article. There there was an article last month's issue talking about AI oh, and okay. uh, lasers and stuff like that, uh, locating defects and mm. stuff like that. So it's uh it's out there. It's it's coming. I, I think we're you know ten years away, but more and more places will will focus. They'll they'll have to focus in on it. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that could evolve, where it's like, do you do you think that you don't always need human eyes? Like, can a robot pick up on these defects? Probably, like, if you implement certain things um, to be able to test for those stresses and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. I'm a big, like, small business guy and, and people person. So to see things, like, jobs be lost to a robot is somewhat concerning to me. <laughs> it is, but there, there's also a lot of... Uh, job avenues that can uh, arise from it. Like mm -hmm. with those pallet stackers, for instance, um, we don't, we were using um, a third party company to come in to help troubleshoot problems that we've had and, and stuff like that. But uh, since then, um, you know, I put a couple of my guys through college courses on hydraulic fundamentals and stuff like that. Wow, and, nice. and, and, you know, yeah. and, and this creates more work, which creates more jobs and all this versus, hand bombing a stack now you know you now you need more skilled people somebody that understands hydraulics and you know uh, you're supplying uh you're 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 buying supplies for it all the time so you know it's not just limited to eliminating people it's providing more of a quality uh for uh, for other people that's a really good point and and so you've actually paid for your guys to go through these courses because Correct. you wanted them to have this knowledge so you didn't have to hire somebody uh, like a third party to come in and repair your equipment. So your guys. Yeah, are correct. And, and investing into into the staff, you know, really helps uh, helps them, um, you know, feel good at the you know, at the end of the day, everybody just wants everybody wants to feel useful. Um, and that's, you know, if, if somebody is going through uh, college courses or, you know, stuff like that and you're relying on them then they feel good. You know, I, I've accomplished something today, not just, 
preparing 300 pallets, you know, I fixed this machine and, and I got this working, I got that working. So it makes them feel good as well. That's awesome. I think it's incredible. And I know that like when we had first spoke, I had just really appreciated your perspective on the industry, but also to hear, you know, how you look at your people and how you treat your people, I think is, is something of value that a lot of owners could take away from, from this conversation is there's just like your people are everything. And so if you continue to give back and put back into them, it sounds like it's just paid you over and over again over the years. It has, and it's made my job a, a lot easier when, when you're not micromanaging people and you let them uh, do their own work. It's, it becomes better atmosphere, better, better everything. Like right now we have almost 60 guys. Um, and even when there's shift change or everything else, everybody's always in good moods, you know, having, you know, an all male workforce, it's, uh, you know, that we, we don't struggle with problems that you would think. And that's because when I hire somebody, if they are, um, if, whoever they work around, it's always, you know, at the end of the day or at the end of the week, Hey, what was, uh, what was, uh, Ben like, uh, to work with this week? Oh, he's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. So we hire a lot on attitude and, and that's what keeps people here is, you know, a good work atmosphere and somebody that provides a positive, um, outlook to not only to the business, but to themselves and, and others around them. That's awesome. Yeah. I think there's a lot of value in that. And it's great that you have that, that type of environment and positivity and people around you. And, and again, I'll refer back to your Q and a with your employees. Like that's definitely a, a good example of like, just, I don't know. You can tell just through like the interview that they like, they, they are enjoying that experience, you know, and they're, they, they are, their answers are hilarious as well. <laughs> like, just... yeah, yeah. And, and I believe everybody I, that, that was done a few years ago mm -hmm. and everybody on those videos are still here. So, okay. Oh, See, wow. Yeah. So that's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. And I remember even then they were talking about you were like paying for courses or you had like, um, I yeah, I, I've always done that, uh, for, for years of somebody might not have their grade 12 education or, you know, kind of stuff like that. And, um, short a few credits, then they're allowed through, you know, different programs that, that I, I'll have access to. They can, they can do it through, uh, through a work program. So it's all, you know, if somebody wants to learn. Sure. No problem. Sure. No problem. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, that's, so that's ahead, really Corey. awesome that, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're taking the time to not only individually, you know, look at somebody and say, Hey, I want to invest money in you because at the end of the day they're putting time and effort and energy into your business you know through work and stuff like that and to me that's that's amazing man like top-notch props to you oh thank for, you for doing that man that is fantastic yeah and, and you know some of the stuff that we do uh that'll do never we'll never have a payback or it'll never have you know you'll never see the uh, the the production value out of it you just see it in, in the workforce you just see them just better just you know feeling good you know hey i got my grade 12 um yeah hey man that's you know that's that's good and that's all you can hope for people is 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 a success yeah but they, st they, they stick around though that's the thing they do. You know, that's that's where you get the value out of it is you took that employee that was potentially going to stay a year two years and next thing you know you're into year five seven eight and they're still sticking around because you that's took right. that time and that initiative to do that and that's yeah. fantastic, you know? Yeah. And it's really helpful that, uh, you know, uh, because I 
like I said, prior to nine, uh, up until four years ago, we were 100% uh, chap focused. Um, and now that we're into the Whitewood, I, I'm able to give the staff better um, choice in a day. Do you want to do some white woodwork? You know, do, you know, some because they're lighter repair and um, it's much easier to do. Um, some people may want to um, have that diversity of doing both uh, white wood or or chap work. So the white wood has been a huge benefit to to the staff as well. You know, they uh, they get to build pallets, they get to sort pallets, they get to repair um, all with a lighter pallet. I'm curious, like, how did you? How did you start to branch into that? You know, like, was it like you already had connections for lumber? And so you started to just say, hey, you know, like, we're already doing this. We should try this. Or was it somebody approached you needing that? Like, how did you get into uh, the white wood and then obviously see well, the success in it? Well, for years, um, I'd always get calls. Do you buy pallets? Do you sell pallets? And it's like, no, no, no. We only deal with uh, with Jep right now. Um, and then the one day, a uh, customer that I, that I, uh, known for a few years, he, he asked me, he's like, uh, I got, I got all these pallets. I don't know what to do with them. This was 2018. Um, he's like, can, can you just take them off me and clear them off my floor? This was before the pallet boom. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, Mike, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll buy them off you. Yeah, I paid like $2 a pallet at the time. Nice. Um, and then by the end of that week, I had another call from somebody else. Hey, do you sell pallets? Yeah. Well, how many do you need? I need a trailer load. Yeah, I got it right here. So that's, <laughs> that's what started it. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, th this is good. This is, uh, you know, something that, you know, ha has potential. So from there, you know, just, you know, uh, Google companies, manufacturing companies in Ontario. And I just cold call every, um, every company that, uh, around. Hey, do you sell pallets? And then from there, um, bringing in, you know, I ended up bringing in a few thousand in a week and then I was able to sell it. And then, um, because of my customer base wasn't, you know, too large, um, I started reaching out to other pallet companies and, you know, Hey, I, I have some extra pallets. Did you want to buy them? So, you know, taking a, turning a competitor into a contact has, has really helped me get more work for, for the Whitewood. So I, you know, I deal with other pallet companies, big pallet companies uh, around here in Ontario and it all started with yeah hey, I, I have some extra pallets so instead of you know um, you know don't talk to me because we're in the same industry yeah, we're competitors yeah. <laughs> you know it's like hey how can we work together yeah so. absolutely and I know that that that's something that we discussed in our first conversation over the phone as well where it was like just creating this sense of community and and conversation across even borders you know like I think that it's it's super helpful um, and, and it just, it sounds like that's how you even got started into this whole new revenue source for your business and being open to working with other people. And I think that people would be curious about this. I'm assuming you put a non-compete in place or something like that. Like, how do you keep the trust in those relationships? It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of old school. It's just, you know, handshake deals. It's just, wow. You know, there, there's there's no non-compete. There's no anything. It's a it's a fairly small industry, mm -hmm. so everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And uh, well, actually, this a uh, couple of years ago, I was dealing with another pallet company up north, and he came down and he bought a pallet and or bought a load for me, and we were talking, and he was telling me about his area and you know all the customers he has up there. To make a long story short, one of his customers 
called me and said, hey, I have a load of pallets uh, to buy, uh, to, to sell. And I said, sure, no problem. I had no idea. No idea it was the other pallet company's account. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when the other pallet company found out, he's like, I, you know, I, I thought you, I was going to stay in my area. You stay in yours. Um, what, what are you doing? You know, cutting my grass. I said, <laughs> I had no idea. So, you know, for me anyways, it's uh, relationships are, are important. So it's, you know, I explained to them the situation. I didn't reach out to them. They reached out to me and uh, I, I just, you know, sorry about that. Yeah. No, and I think that like Corey is a big preacher of this too, where it's like you have to be willing to help and work with other people. And the more open that you are, the more trusting that you are. And uh, I think like uh, willing to apologize as well is is a very good trait to have that some people don't, you know, and just recognizing yeah. When you're that's kind. right and if you're wrong about something you just you know oh well you know no one's perfect yeah so yeah and and it's also like you always say it, Corey, but it's like there's always going to be another one you know there's always going to be another oh, absolutely absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. and i've had to learn that you know i used to get when i first got into this i've been into it for six years i got into it in 2018 and um like I used to get bummed out, man. Like when I would lose, you know, a supplier or, you know, this this customer became like a one time customer, and it's like, damn, this sucks. But you know, through the process and learning and stuff, and I've had a very great mentor, and I will, you know, always talk about Travis with the highest respect and Tom with the highest respect. Uh, I was very fortunate that when I got into this, I got into it part time just to make some extra money. And, you know, I, when I got into it, I thought pallets were pallets straight across the board. I thought every pallet was worth something, which they are, but my first check was $13. That's what I walked away with. And it was a learning experience for me because I was like, okay, so this is what we're looking for. This is where my money's going to be made. And it's been nonstop ever since. And I was very fortunate that I've had, you know, Tom and Travis to teach me the industry and teach me what needs to be done and how to do the proper thing and stuff like that. And Travis is always telling me, don't worry about the, you know, if you lose a vent, you know, somebody you're picking up from cool, there's going to be 10 others behind it that are waiting for you to pick up pallets from. And so, and that's just the way I've had to learn. And I've had customers come and go. I've had suppliers come and go and, you know, it's it's a roller coaster ride some days, but yeah, and you're it's used to it now. <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. I, I'll tell you, Corey, it's like he's like a magnet to people. Like literally, like I'll be on the phone with him <laughs> some days, and it's like there was three days in a row I was talking to him on the phone, and some like every day somebody came up to him. And they're like, "Do you sell pallets? Do you buy pallets? Do you sell pallets?" And I'm like, "Dude, where are you that like all of these people just come up to you and it?" normally in the back of a business or like getting gas or something like that. And he's just like, I don't know what it is, but people are just like attracted to, to him to come and ask about pallets. But, um, but the mentality of, of like, you know, the keeping the relationships and, and making it a point to, um, you know, back up if you're in somebody else's space or area is something. And I, I I'm kind of curious, like how, how do you go about that? You know, like, is there times where it's like, if you don't know that person, is it, it's kind of like an open field for you to take your picking or do you try and like focus on networking first within an area before you try and like branch into it? I know it's a little hard 
question to answer. It is, it is. But yeah, no, I've, I've always tried to focus on my area first. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, like it's word of mouth that uh, gets gets a lot of business and, and a lot of uh, work to come, come through that door. So the first, you know, year was a lot of on the phone, you know, a lot of cold email and cold calling. And, and now it's, you know, people understand, you know, that we're, we're not a hundred percent chep work. We're doing white woodwork because that's what we've been known for over the, you know, over 22 years is, you know, doing the, the, the chep workload. And now, um, now we get calls, uh, often, you know, people dropping pickers, uh, dropping off pallets and, you know, from there, other customers, uh, you know, calling, Hey, Hey, here you're doing white wood. Yep. 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 So we can, you know, it's a, it's a lot of word of mouth that, uh, gets, that gets the business in and out. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like, do you, uh, do much like across borders? Like, do you ship to the U S a lot? Do you work with a lot of U S companies at all? Or is it mostly, uh, well, well, last year, the, the pallet shortage was, you know, it was real. It was a struggle. And mm-hmm. down in the U S people were, uh, companies in the U S were paying like $15 for, for cores. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I'll be honest, I, I tried to reach out to find out who was paying that. Cause I would, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to know too. Cause if, yeah. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you every pallet for $15. Yeah. Piece, oh, I know. Or not. Uh, but, but now that uh, the demand is somewhat, uh, more stable. Yeah. Um, no, it's because uh, and well, empty pallets don't have to be heat treated, but if there's product on it, uh, mm-hmm. then it has to be heat treated. Oh, okay. um, so as of right now, um, the the cross border work for me, anyways, because um, I'm in you know four hours from the border. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just not uh, not a lot of demand right now uh, to do border work. Gotcha. I don't know about new. Uh, new, there might be be more of a demand. Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure honestly. I was curious just to see like it, it's not too often are there companies that like you work with in Canada that might have locations over here. Do you think that they would try and still work with you or they'd probably maybe see if you have a network to to work with in or do you think that they'd just kind of go out on their own to try and find somebody? Well, one one of the largest uh pallet companies uh here in uh in Canada is Paramount Pallet. Paramount used to be uh its own business uh, its own company then chap bought them um and then chap sold to 4840 solutions so the 4840 is a massive company same with camps Mm -hmm. um and and they are more and more you you see more and more of their presence up here so they're uh they, they are getting pretty aggressive in the in the canadian market really so so are they buying up um like individually owned locations to then put Paramount on it? Is that what you're, you're saying? Well, Paramount was big. Um, they had, uh, several, uh, you know, pallet, uh, pallet warehouses all across Canada. So when they were sold from, uh, well, when, when Chep acquired them, they assumed all the locations. And then, uh, when they sold, uh, 4840, um, assumed all their locations. And I, I believe they, they could just keep on, uh, growing right now, they have a, you know, a hundred and eighty thousand square foot warehouse, uh, just a stone's throw from my warehouse. Oh wow! Um, so they are, you know, they're 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 a big aggressive company. They and, do everything though. Build new. Oh okay. Are they still under Paramount or is it under like forty eight forty now? Like as far as the name, if you look it up, it, it's Paramount. Okay, uh, gotcha. still Paramount, and then you know it's a. Uh, 
um, it's a subsidiary of, you know, 4840 solution, which I think is, you know, for Whitewood, I think they're probably the biggest, uh, company out there. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I know Jeff has 80% of the market Mm -hmm. when it comes to, uh, pallet, uh, uh, pallet placement, um, and everybody else, the other 20% is the 4840s is the camps is, you know, all the little Whitewood companies, uh, around there. Yeah. Yeah, which is a lot of what I feel like the the U.S. is made of is like a lot of smaller guys that a lot of people like find their niche, I feel like around here, you know, like if there's there's crate guys, there's custom guys, there's guys who maybe focus only on new or they like have the whole operation where they're the sawmill and they provide the new pallets and then they also provide lumber. So I think that here it's like pallet companies and this isn't for everybody, obviously, like there are strictly large pallet companies, but I feel like everybody tries to kind of find other ways to make money, you know, like with you guys where you were focused on Chep and then you went into the Whitewood, you know, it's like you saw the avenue there to then be able to focus on something else to increase. your Yeah. Revenue. Like one of the, the biggest thing that kills success in, in business is complacency. Mm-hmm. So you always have to be wanting to get into different, uh, you know, pallets, crates, you, you know, you have to find if, if you're going to grow as a business and be successful, you can't just, you know, it's worked for us all this years, all these years, um, <laughs> you know, why rocket, you, you have to branch off and, and to do other things. So yeah. the next big logical step for Durham is to start building new pallets, but that is a totally different ball game altogether. You have to stock lumber, you have the mercy of lumber prices mm-hmm. and you know, it's a, a little bit of machinery is needed, but that would be the next logical step for Durham. But I'm, you know, not interested in doing it right now. Yeah. I was, I was actually curious to see like where, you know, direction you guys were thinking of heading. And so that would be the next logical move, but you don't, you don't want to kind of branch into that yet. You're still pursuing uh so just recycled is is that what you're doing? Yeah, for right now, um, just recycled because I've been, you know, it's been a, a four year old business, and every year it gets a little bit bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I'm still kind of learning it. Uh, before I never separated my my pallets uh, A's and B's. Um, they okay. always went. I, I I always just shipped them out as uh, you know. It's just a it's a mix. They're they're good pallets or some. Uh, GMAs or some, you know, uh, stringer damaged pallets, uh, or not stringer repaired pallets, but overall it was only lately, uh, I started separating the A's and the B's just to get, uh, um, more of an option for customers. The A pallets are worth a little bit more. So able to drum up a little bit more revenue. But prior to that, I never had the pallet volume to, uh, to justify separating them to keep Hmm you know, separate pallets just for certain companies. But now that's where I'm at now is now separating. I try and find out, uh, you know, who's going to take the off-size pallets and, and everything else. So before I get into the new, I have to get the, the recycled, you know, kind of down pat. Wow. So do y'all not strip out the odd-size stuff? Not yet. Not yet. But, uh, you know, once I get a bandsaw, probably in a couple of years, that would be the next uh, step is to um, – start redoing our own lumber instead of buying it <clears throat> wow because that's, I, I, that's cool. what i do a lot of of stripping out with the odd size and stuff like that well and i'm pretty fortunate that a lot of what i call odd size stuff is dimensional already i uh that's right. 
we handle pallets for Amazon. And so I get a lot of these, they're sit there like 72 inches long, 40 inches wide. So we just go in there and strip it out. And I've got 40 inch decking running out of my ears most days. You <laughs> know? Right. And so, and it's, and it's really cool though, because once you get to that point, then you can take and say, Oh man, I've got all this extra lumber. What do I do with it? Well, then you can bundle it and sell it to, you know, say, you know, your street guy that's, you know, bringing you two, three, four hundred pallets a week. That's right. Hey, man, you want to buy this lumber so you can repair these and I can maybe pay you just a little bit more for that pallet and then everybody wins, you know. So, that's, And that's how we get our reclaim right now is because mm -hmm. we don't strip, but I'll buy reclaim off off other recyclers mm -hmm. wow. uh, only because. Like I said, like right now, it's it's all in stages. So the pallets that we bring in, right, the well, the ones that I pay for, anyways, they're they have to be in good repairable condition. I can't take right. in stuff that's, you know, that's you know odd sizes or or stuff like that. I can, but it just has to go right back out. Um, so yeah, for right now, it's just growing that 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 standard uh, pallet, and then uh, getting a bandsaw and start saving money on our own reclaim. That's cool. I appreciate you being transparent and, and open sharing that with us. You know, I feel like sometimes it can be hard to like not <laughs> be fully transparent about your process and things like that. So I'm just. Yeah. Thinking. And that's the way that I am, even in our front office hallway, you know, production goals, everything is every, everything is laid out. Our website is very crystal clear. The, the YouTube videos, because I always want to take the guesswork out of everything. It's always, mm -hmm. you know, the best form of you know communication is you know to do as much as you can if somebody's listening to this and they can take something back to their staff and make it better for them then everybody wins yeah well and and you know it's a lot easier to you can re, you don't have to remember the truth somebody that's somebody right yeah, said yeah that to yeah, me yeah, recently yeah. you know yeah true true <laughs> so, true so i think that that's that's definitely like the biggest thing to take away from transparency and your openness and your honesty is you know you don't have to remember the truth like if you keep lying or just like trying to fib or something you have to remember it um so right. yeah i think that it that it's awesome that you've just been super honest and open um you know i don't i we're we're coming up to to an hour now do you think there's anything else um you know you want to share that you'd want to send out to the people that are listening or anything like that before we maybe no no not really, nothing that is, I'm actually amazed that the hours, you know, just kind of flown by. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think we've covered everything that, um, I think we've covered everything that's important. Maybe we can do a part two. Uh, yeah. Uh, one, one day and then try to see how, uh, see what other questions I can come up with. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like anybody who we have on, we always would love to have them back on. I think that this is just a, like I said, open platform for people to come and share. And like, if you got new stuff going on, feel free to, to reach out and, and let us know. Because again, like we just want people to connect more, share more, be more open and honest in this industry. Obviously, it's a way to market your business as well as you know, it's an attempt for, for me too. Um, but yeah, I, I Jason, I, I'm just extremely thankful. I'm I'm glad that I I commented on your YouTube video that one day. And so am I. So am I. <laughs> you're putting some, some of the comments are not uh, are not always nice, but uh, <laughs> you know I'll, I'll respond to anything, even the not nice yeah. ones. Yeah. 
Well, and, and you know, it's engagement at the end of the day, right? So it's like, even if it isn't something that's uh, necessarily the nicest, it's it's a good way to engage and to hear from people who you might be dealing with, or maybe it's just some random guy that is having a bad day or something like that. That's you right. Know? That's right. <laughs> All right, but, guys. Uh, but awesome, Jason. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for everybody listening in. You know, please like and subscribe. It really helps us out. Uh, I'm going to share links to Durham Palette's YouTube and website in, in the description as well. So definitely check those out. Jason puts out some awesome content. So definitely take the time to watch his YouTube videos. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more content. And um, maybe we'll have you back on one day too. So uh, That sounds great. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Alrighty. it. Have take a great care. day. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.